Hey, this is Darcy Rowling, and welcome to the Women 17 podcast, conversations with global women changing the world one sustainable development goal at a time. In each fortnightly interview, we'll learn about these women's journeys, challenges, successes, which SDGs their work contributes to both globally and locally, as well as hear tips on how our listeners can participate in the advancement of the sustainable development goals. Today, I'm very happy to be speaking with Natalie McIntosh, founder of Nautical Waters, an organization whose mission is to repurpose discarded fishing nets known as ghost nets and fishing gear from the east and west coasts of Canada. Natalie is 15 years old in the 10th grade and lives in London, Ontario, Canada with her family. Welcome, Natalie. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, with great pleasure. Really happy that you could make it today. Um, and um, I, I tell our listeners that you just finished school and it's the end of my day. Um, and I'm in Lyon, France, which is uh, in an apartment in the city center. So we might hear some street noise. So if you hear any ambulances or motorbikes, uh, sorry for all the, the noise in the background, but uh, this is life in COVID times. So, um, so thank you so much for agreeing to, to join me on the podcast today. I have a lot of questions for you. Um, so I think let's get started. Um, and I think maybe um, if we kick off, can you first share with us um, how this idea of uh, nautical waters uh, and, and um, repurposing uh, fishing nets um, came to fruition? You know, when, when and why did you become interested in, in, in this and saving marine life in the environment? Yeah, for sure. So in grade nine, I was enrolled in a STEM course, which stands for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And the course was very like project-based. And one of the last projects I had to do was a passion project. And ever since I was little, I've always been super passionate about marine life. Like I would binge watch Finding Nemo like on repeat for like the whole day until my mom, we couldn't watch it anymore because I, the disc got scratched. So we had to buy another one. So I knew kind of from the start that I wanted to do my passion project somewhere around marine life. So then I decided to create an underwater speaker that would emit the sound of an orca. The speaker would be attached to the fishing boat and the sound of the orca would scare away all the larger animals in the water um, because of the frequency that they um, communicate with each other. So this, in theory, would scare away, you know, like the dolphins and the sharks away from the fishing boat. And through my research, I found out about ghost gear and the effects that it had on the environment. And it really just, it kind of got my heart a bit. It was just so devastating because I had no idea that this was even a thing because we've all heard about like plastic straws and plastic water bottles, but we never have really heard about ghost gear before. And so it really got to me and I told my mom that I wanted to make a change. And I guess that's how nautical water started. Oh, I love that. That's uh, uh, amazing. And, you know, I would agree with you. I mean, I, I really knew very little um, about ghost gear until you, um, you and I have spoke. So it's all not new to me also. Um, before we go into nautical waters, I do want to go back to, to your, your, your project, because I think this is really uh, pretty extraordinary. So you were creating a speaker that was 
uh, you did a prototype mm-hmm. that was attached to the fishing boat, um, and uh, basically in order to um, ward off all these big animals, right? Mm-hmm. As the as the fishermen. So so how how did that progress? Like how um, you know is it still in the prototype phase? Where are you right now with that? And and how did you test it out? Um, yeah. So right now we're still in the um, prototype phase. Um, so how I would test it, so it was just like a small kind of prototype, like you said before. Um, it wouldn't actually be super loud um, if you were bored to put it on a fishing boat. And I just tested it out in my pool, my backyard. So I created a recyclable wheel, that reel, sorry, which is made out of like plastic lids and just some rope that we found in our shed. And I put it in our pool and then I would go underwater and I would try to see if I could hear the sound of the orca, which I was able to. And at this stage right now, like I said before, it's still a prototype. But in the future, I hope that it will become like, you know, much larger. Um, I guess you could say after my project, I reached out to a few other like universities to see if they'd be interested in helping me, um, you know, increase the size of it as well as like the frequency it's heard at and all of that. Um, But it's been pretty difficult, especially with COVID. I can't exactly go over there and work on like hands on with it. So right now we're kind of just putting it on pause until further notice, I guess. Yeah, well, that's it's, it's a very fascinating and a very clever clever project, very um, um, unusual product project. But uh, of course, um, if you've watched Finding Nemo so many times, it's not it's not a wonder. Um, yeah, I actually i um, I got quite interested. I'm a scuba diver, and I got quite interested in in um, underwater marine life um, when I was quite young. I was younger than you, and I had to do a paper, and I wrote two papers th- during this one grade. Um, and we had studied uh, um, uh, marine biology and as such. And one of them was on um, bathyspheres. And I became really fascinated with bathyspheres <laughs> and thought I would be, you know, the d- next 007 in a bathysphere. Um, and then I also did a paper on uh, pufferfish. And I was just found that fascinating. And then, you know, fast forward, you know, I don't know, 20, 25 years later, um, I actually have been in the water and seen pufferfishes. So mm-hmm. it's been really you know, a really cool experience for me. Um, I'm just wondering with regards to the sound that an orca makes, is it on a different frequency than other animals or is it something that all animals can hear? Uh, I don't know if that's a silly question. I'm just curious. Um, so all animals, they communicate with each other at different frequencies and some of them can hear it while others can't. So I believe it's like the larger types of sharks, dolphins, whales, and orcas, they all are able to like hear each other on the same frequency, whereas like smaller fish aren't able to. So as I said before, like the orca is like the predator of the ocean. So whenever one of those larger animals hear an orca, they like immediately try to swim as fast as they can the other direction because they don't want to get eaten. Um, but whereas I don't think that the little fish would hear at at the like same frequency as they communicate at, so they would still stay in the same area. Right. Right. So it makes sense. Definitely makes sense. And I'm wondering, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I don't know what kinds of waters do orcas, uh, um, swim in? Are they more Northern, Northern and colder waters? Is that closer to Canada? Is that the kinds of waters that they swim in? Well, actually, orcas, I think they're they're able to swim in like all types of waters. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it depends on the kind of type, like of whale or orca. 
Um, sometimes they prefer cooler waters. It's like kind of where they're born, I guess you could say. They like adapt to certain temperatures of the water. So if you go to like the Atlantic, if they're born there, they'll prefer like warmer waters um, compared to, let's say, if you went to like colder warmers, right? More up north. Yeah, sure. Up towards uh, Nova Scotia mm-hmm. or Alaska or something like that. So, so, um, so I'd love to now talk a little bit about ghost nets. Um, and maybe, maybe, um, if you could tell us why they're called ghost nets, I think that, you know, while they're discarded, I guess, but maybe you sort of explain to us, um, this was, as I said earlier, this was a new term for me. I never had heard of this before. So sort of explain to us what, what kinds of things happen, um, with ghost nets and why they're left behind. Yeah, so starting off what you originally, uh, what your first point was, is ghost nets are called ghost nets because they're known as kind of like the silent killers of the ocean. Um, No one really knows that they exist because there's not a lot of awareness brought up to it because they sink to the bottom of the ocean, right? And not everyone, because they're not visible, no one's able to see all the like damage that's happening underneath the water. Um, and a lot of animals actually can't even see the nets themselves because they're so thin and they might um, kind of be camouflaged in with like coral reefs or just like the ocean floor itself. So that's why they're called ghost nets. And then so why they're in our waters is actually the main cause people would normally think that it's because of like fishermen and because they want to get rid of their broken um, like nets and rope but it's actually the opposite it's normally due to uncontrollable weather Um, when there's like the weather is like super crazy it's super windy rainy stormy because it can get pretty rough on the coast especially by the oceans and um, if their like gear isn't put away properly right? It could be just one huge windstorm and it all goes into our ocean, right? And it's just so crazy how much it affects our marine ecosystem. It can destroy coral reefs because it's not getting enough sun. It can suffocate animals, especially marine animals, um, more specifically mammals, because Mm -hmm. they're kind of drowning themselves if they get caught in the nets because they can't necessarily just get out right, to go back up to the surface. And it's just so disappointing to see that happen. Um, Because really, uh, there's so much more of it in the middle of our ocean. And we don't necessarily know how to get it all up or where it is, essentially, because we haven't been there before. Yeah. Well, that's, that's interesting too. I mean, we, we have so much technology these days we can, you know, we can do it, you know, we put people on the moon. So, um, by golly, it's surprising. So through, through your research, you're saying that, you know, nobody really knows, we, we don't really know how many nets are there or where the nets are. Is, and are there any, any organizations that are tracing this? Is this a high priority that you found? Um, well, there are organizations that really encourage, like I know the Triple GI Global Ghost Gear Initiative has um, like they send emails out to fishermen to say if you lost your rope or if you put it in the water per se or lost rope, um, please contact us. Say like where you're from, where you believe it could be now, because we want to try and reduce the risk of, you know, it like spreading, I guess you could say, and killing more animals. Um, So there is the Triple GI and other organizations as well from. Um, Emerald Sea Society do the same thing in British Columbia, 
and Coastal Action and Scotian Shores try to do the same thing on the east coast of Canada and Nova Scotia as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, interesting. And and what what are the 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 nets actually made out of? Are, are they plastic? Or are they made of? Um, I don't know, cotton. I don't know. <laughs> what are they made? <laughs> Unfortunately, most of um, the ghost gear is actually made out of plastic, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty disappointing because, as we know, plastic doesn't biodegrade, and it just over time will turn into microplastics, which can still be consumed by animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most certainly. Are there other um, uh, other materials that are used, or is there something that through your you know your research that you you and you've looked at? Is there um, is there like a new type of net? Is anybody looking at a net that it would be biodegradable if if they um, you know were damaged and were you know due to weather and as such? Is that something that's being uh, researched or looked at right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that there are a lot of studies going into it, especially this also surrounds not just uh, fishing nets, but it also like plastic water bottles as well as straws and kind of any other plastic that gets into our ocean. We're trying to create Um, a sort of plastic that it will still be tough and hold its shape. But once it gets into the water, it will take a less amount of time to degrade and it won't hurt as many animals per se. I'm not exactly sure about what kind um, like of material it's going to be made out of um, yet. But yeah, I'm definitely going to do some more research into it because I just find that stuff super interesting. Yeah, most certainly. And, uh, you know, if this is, uh, you know, this is certainly an issue and it's not getting enough attention, clearly there's a, a need for it. Um, and, uh, and I know you'll, you know, you've, you're in 10th grade, so you've got two more years to go. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> plenty of time to research and then uh, to study at university. Actually, um, I think you shared with me when you and I spoke before, well, what, what do you intend to study when you go to university? Um, Yeah, so I plan to uh, major in marine biology, and I want to minor in astrophysics. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) So down in the water and up, uh, up in the up in the sky. Exactly. There we go. Oh, I love that. Fantastic. Well, that I think is going to require a whole nother podcast, but, or maybe uh, we'll have a chat with you after you finish <laughs> university. So in a couple years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, so I'd like to know where, where do you get the nets from and how do you, how do you get them? Um, you know, what areas um, uh, in Canada? Um, I know we talked about the coast. So just, could you share with us how, how you actually uh, get your hands on them? Yeah, for sure. So I um, have reached out to several organizations from the east and west coast of Canada. And I've mentioned them before, but I'll go into more detail about them. So um, Emerald Sea Society is an organization on the west coast of Canada, specifically in British Columbia, that focuses on um, taking ghost gear out of the water. Um, especially in like their lakes there because British Columbia is a pretty heavy, like heavy um, fishing area. And then on the East coast, I also have Scotian shores and um, coastal action. So coastal action is actually creating these rope recycling bins. So when fishermen are done using their rope or let's say it's torn a bit or they just can't use it anymore they put it in these uh, sectioned areas 
And then if another fisherman wants to use that rope, they'll be able to take it and repurpose it in the way they choose. It's just a way kind of like a prevention strategy from letting it go back into our waters. And then Scotian Shores, what they do is they do like these beach cleanups. So on the shore, they uh, pick up all of the ghost gear they find. They do it several times a week. And then with that, they uh, repurpose it in different ways and they send it off to other people who are interested in it. In it. Hmm. So this was going on even before you, you know, you were focusing on this. This was, mm-hmm. these were initiatives yeah. that were going on for a long time. Oh, oh, that's really, that that's wonderful. And uh, the first time I've, I've heard of that or even seen that um, uh, available. So, oh, that, I love that, uh, that that's already, um, that's already happening. So, um, so when you, after you've collected the ghost gear, excuse me, the ghost nets, and you also, sorry, I should ask you, you did mention gear. So what, maybe could you expand on what the gear is that you would be collecting or what would be, what would be showing up in these waters also? Yeah. So ghost gear is like, like a compile of fishing gear. So it consists of like nets, uh, lobster rope, lobster cages. So uh, kind of like wire cages that are still at the bottom of our waters. And then we have like bait bags, sometimes like fishing hooks, depending on what kind of fisherman is doing it. Um, It's just kind of a bunch of different fishing gear that you would normally find, but in the waters. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, and that's quite a lot and varied in size and shape Mm -hmm. um, and what they're made of. And uh, yeah, by golly, trying to find a um, a fishing hook in in the ocean would probably be pretty, pretty Mm -hmm. difficult. I guess it shows up on, on the shorelines quite Yeah. Quite, quite frequently. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and the lobster, um, what are the, do you know what the lobster, um, uh, nets are made of? Are they wood or, or not wood? Are they also plastic or metal? Um, yeah, the nets are made out of plastic. Plastic. Okay. Um, do, what about the, bo- um, the boxes? Is that what they use for the oh, lobsters? I'm um, trying to visualize yeah. that. So they're, yeah. So what they are, they're pretty much like wire boxes, like lobster mm-hmm. cages. And they have an opening and then there'll be like bait at the bottom of it and the lobsters go in. And then mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, there could be like a huge storm and they don't get up all the time. Right. So then the lobsters can't get out because it's closed and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, also other animals can get in there and can't get out. It just kind of. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, no, all of it. And I, you know, I'm sure, you know, based on what you've shared also, I mean, uh, of course, these are fishermen's livelihood. So it's not like it, it's not their intention to, to leave anything behind. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, as you said, you know, weather circumstances, um, you know, um, you know, uh, lead it to lead, you know, for this debris to be, you know, um, unfortunately released into the water. So, um, so, uh, so you've shared with us about ghost nets and ghost gear. So now I'd love to talk a little bit about what you do with them. So you're collecting this, you're getting it from um, some of your partners on, on both coasts. So, so what do you do um, uh, with all this gear at at nautical waters? Could you share a little bit about um, that with us? Yeah. So what we try to do is we try to repurpose everything that's sent to us. So out of the lobster rope with longer lobster rope, what we do is we create like mats, um, different types of baskets and bowls. With like thinner lobster rope, we try to create like pencil holders. Um, we create coasters uh, as well as like rope art and string art with uh, fibers 
from the rope. And Mm -hmm. then uh, with the nets, we make different types of jewelries like necklaces and bracelets. And then we also create lanterns out of the bait bags that are sent to us. No, that's cool. And who's doing this and, and how did you get the skills to know how to do that? I mean, I can, I can barely tie my shoelaces. So (laughs) Um, (laughs) who knows how to do this? (laughs) Well, it was a process. Let's just say that. So when we first started, it was pretty much, it was my family, but more specifically my mom and I, and then recently my grandmother, she also has uh, joined our team. And at first it was a struggle a pretty big struggle because we didn't necessarily know the materials that we would need to like make all of this stuff. And when we first started, I um, made these like necklaces and bracelets and I had to like de-knot the net, like knot by knot. And if you think about it, like ghost nets, they're tight, right? Fishing nets are tight. You don't want them to break, right? You have to be like, I'd spend three hours and then I'd only get maybe like 10 or 15 knots out of the net and it was super time consuming but now that we figured out how to do it properly um we've made a lot more success in um, making a lot of our products for sure yeah well I'm just envisioning you just giving somebody a big knotted necklace and that becomes (laughs) the trend so (laughs) or or they win a prize if they can get all the knots out of their necklace they could keep them busy for a really long time (laughs) you could give it to your kids during COVID time that could be a play thing you know okay get all the knots out of the necklace so oh that's great and I guess it it just depends also um, on what you get like you'd said you know it depends on how much volume you get and so if you get you know one particular kind of net you can make, you know, um, your, you know, your pencil holder or the coasters or the mats and stuff like that. So, and then how do you, how do you distribute these? Where can people, um, purchase, um, uh, the things that you're making? Um, yeah. So you can actually go, uh, visit our Etsy store. You can find it on our website or social media pages, which are linked in our website. (laughs) Great. Well, we'll share that um, certainly with uh, on my website on the Women Seventeen website. We'll share all those links there, and um, hopefully, um, actually, it might have a really busy summer if everybody listens and wants to buy something. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when do you finish school this year? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Great. Oh, I see. Um, actually, um, Natalie and I are on video together, so we can see each other. So she's she's just had a visitor from the dog. The dog has has arrived. So yeah. what's the dog's name? Uh, Daisy. <laughs> Daisy. Okay, yeah. Daisy. Yeah, Daisy wants a piece of the action. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Well, um, so it seems like I mean, you've mentioned um, the partners that you work with. So you mentioned Coastal Action and um, Emerald Sea and um, uh, the other one. What was it? Scotia, Scotian Shores. Uh, Scotian Shores. So, so that I'd like to highlight to our listeners is is really highlighting um, your partnership. That's the Sustainable Development Goal number seventeen, which is partnerships for the goals. And of course, you are focusing on SDG number fourteen, which is life below water. Um, clearly those are, those are, um, two. And I would, I dare say you're even 
um, focusing a lot on education too. I mean, you're, you know, that's a number four, which is quality education, Mm -hmm. um, you know, indirectly because you are really, or, or directly because you're highlighting, um, uh, you know, something that's not, you know, is, is not something that people are aware of. As you mentioned, you know, people are quite familiar with, you know, the straws and, and trying to keep the straws out of there. And yeah. we're really familiar with plastic bottles and, and other whatnots, but I, you know, it, really not much attention is paid to these, these ghost nets. And I think it, probably this is my um, suspicion is, is probably because we don't know what's there. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a deep, deep blue sea, right? Mm-hmm. So it's hard to really, um, really um, ascertain, you know, what's, what's below, below the water. So um, great. So, um, so I wonder if um, uh, what, what are the biggest obstacles that, um, that you think we face in trying to get rid of these items um, on the coasts? Yeah, so I think the biggest problem would be that we don't yet know enough about our own waters. It's something like only 5 to 10% of our ocean has been discovered. And considering that, you know, we're going into space, but yet we haven't even discovered everything on our own planet. It's, you know, it's just kind of crazy to me. Um, so, and because of um, the tide it gets pushed out farther and farther into the ocean, right? And from there, we don't necessarily, we're not able to pinpoint where it may be because the wind may be blowing this way one day, but then the next day it could be blowing a completely different way, right? Which could end up like changing the complete location that we would guess where it would be. And I think going back to the shore thing is that We also don't know all the animals that are in our ocean, right? So this could be affecting so many more animals than we initially have thought. Um, But we just haven't seen it yet because we don't really know much about the ocean itself. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I, I, you know, the best diving is really at about Mm -hmm. 50, uh, about 10 meters. So 10 meters and you usually have the sun shining. You, you can see everything, you know, it's quite easy. And once you get below 10 meters, 12 meters, 15 meters, um, I can't remember how deep I've gone, but it, you know, the, the further down you get, and I've been to drops where, you can't see anything. I mean, it's like, (laughs) it starts to get, it's really the abyss. You have no idea what's, you know, down there Mm -hmm. and as such no bottom there. So I, um, you know, not surprising, um, uh, you know, that we wouldn't be able to tap into that, as you said, I mean, we haven't even explored, uh, but, but a very small percentage of, um, of our ocean. So actually you've just made me think, I want to go back to, um, what you want to study at, at university. And I'm wondering, um, I know I said that we'd have another podcast for that at another time, but I'm going to pick your, I'm going to pick your brain now because, you know, you know, I'm just wondering if there are any parallels between these two fields of study that you, you know, I mean, they're at opposite ends of the, of, mm-hmm. I don't know, the universe, <laughs> if you like, um, you know, uh, out in space and, and under the sea. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, why you're interested in that and if and where you are now and what you've learned so far, do you see any parallels between the two? Yeah. So one of the things that I'm super interested in is exploring more about stuff that hasn't been discovered. Like I like going into things like having no knowledge about a subject and then through doing more research, like finding out more about it. And I just think that space, first of all, it's like this huge area 
right? And we don't even know if it like how we started, how the earth even like came where it is now. And I just find that so interesting. And then I also find the ocean so interesting because we know nothing about it. And there, I know there are creatures down there that are incredible. Like they can do things that we haven't even expected to be possible yet. Like even just take fish as an example, right? They can, they don't have to come up for air. They don't really need a lot of oxygen. And then it's also, there's just so much stuff that we don't know yet that I want to know. It's kind of like knowing, asking yourself, like, what happens after we die? You know what I mean? It's been that, mm-hmm. like, kind of long-running question that no one can answer, right? And it's I find that kind of also goes into, like, with the ocean and space, at least for me. There are two areas that I just want to keep finding out more about. Um, and as for parallels, um, I just think that there – I personally think that there's life, like, way beyond our planet. And I know there's life underwater. So I guess you could say that's kind of a parallel – um, creatures we don't necessarily know a lot of, about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I find that really amazing. And I, I love what you said, you know, you're, you know, you're interested in, you know, what we don't know and, and being curious. And, uh, you know, I think that that's, you know, yeah. To, and to, you know, to think about what's possible and what's out there, I, it's extraordinary. You know, most of us, you know, we kind of don't think beyond sort of their day-to-day activity if it doesn't really affect our lives very much, but you're right. I mean, I think there's so many things to be learned. Um, you can learn that from other cultures and from other people and certainly, you know, from, from behaviors of plants and animals. So, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's extraordinary. So yeah, I, I, I feel like, um, you're going to make some, uh, this one, this podcast is going to go down very, being very famous. Um, and I'm going to be able to say that I knew you before you were famous. So <laughs> before you're the first woman to go to the depths of the sea. <laughs> and are you a scuba diver? Have you gone diving yet yourself? Um, no, but I'm actually planning to take a scuba diving course this summer. <laughs> so I can figure oh, out gonna- how. Yeah, you're gonna love it. Yeah, it's one of um, it, it's just really wonderful experience. I, um, I, I was quite scared to do it, and I did it um, uh, off the coast. So you w- walk off the the beach line. Um, I did my my certification was in the uh, the Philippines, and you just go right off the beach, which was quite nice because I kind of knew okay, this is like twenty steps from yeah. the beach, so I knew I could get back. Um, and the first time I went down, I was like a little bit nervous and a little bit you know quite like claustrophobic and I am claustrophobic. Um, but after you just kind of just calm down and you just breathe Mm -hmm. and, um, it's just such a wonderful experience. And, and what I find really interesting is that you don't need to go far and you don't need to go fast. It's not a competitive sport. And as is such, I mean, you could literally just do like one square meter of space and find, tons of wildlife, marine life. Uh, It's, oh, it's amazing. My husband found, you know, a leaf fish. Now, if you can imagine a leaf fish is probably the size of an American quarter. Mm -hmm. So a tiny thing, it just sort of sitting there and it just sways back and forth like a leaf, Yeah, you know, but you can't see a leaf fish if you're swimming or if you're diving quite quickly, you know, and you're kind of, you know, using up your oxygen going quickly. So, you know, really amazing, you know, the small things that you can see just in that little ecosystem of, like I said, you know, one square meter. 
years. So um, a lot to be had. So I'm sure once you get underwater, um, yeah, it, you're not going <laughs> to stop. So <laughs> you're definitely not going to stop. So um, so back to nautical waters, I'm wondering what, um, what are your future plans uh, for the organization? Yeah, so hopefully uh, this summer I want to get in contact with uh, Coast Guard's and fishermen near my area because I'm pretty close to the Great Lakes. And from there, I want to create these uh, rope recycling bins similar to what Coastal Action is doing. So we can try to prevent these uh, rope and nets um, going into our Great Lakes because the Great Lakes are also kind of a big fishing area. And I haven't done much research into necessarily ghost gear in the Great Lakes, um, but I want to try and avoid it. Um, because it is one of our own, it's like the biggest freshwater um, ecosystem. And it's like the big, biggest source of freshwater, I believe. So we want to try and avoid, you know, getting some more ghost gear in there. Um, and then also, I really just want to spread more awareness about the topic. Because in a few years, it has gone more, like, uh, more people have found out about it, but not necessarily to the extent that I would like it to be at. Like, I want someday to it to be like, oh, did you hear about ghost gear and water bottles? You know what I mean? Like, they're, like, kind of the same. Mm -hmm. They're seen as the same thing. Um, and then hopefully uh, soon we can also grow. So it could just be more than just my mom, my grandmother, and I creating these product products. And we could also maybe hold some, like, uh, river cleanups because I'm near the Thames River. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. You're near the Thames River and you live in London, Ontario. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hmm. I'm seeing some parallels with another country. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. And um. Uh, and so, uh, I'm right at, at present because of co of course of, of COVID. I mean, you haven't actually gone to the lake, so you need to assess what's what's yeah. happening in the lakes right now. So, yeah, very interesting. And do you do you anticipate that it's going to be at a similar um, level, the, the issue is going to be at, at, at a similar um, concern that it is in the oceans. What, what are your kind of thoughts based on what you know so far? Uh, well, I think it won't be necessarily as bad as the ocean because um, I guess in the grand scheme, there's not as many people working by the Great Lakes as there are people on the coast of the oceans and out in the ocean. Um, I still think there probably may be some ghost gear, but it's also not as deep. And the weather near the Great Lakes isn't as crazy as it could be in the ocean. It's not like we get tsunamis, right, in our Great Lakes because they're not that large and it's not hot. Um, so I think that there may be still like some ghost gear in there, but I don't think it's going to be to the extent that it is the ocean. Yeah. Well, and I think it, I mean, regardless if there's a lot or not, I guess it just goes to, to one of your other points is that, you know, your future plans is to spread awareness. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's, you know, in, in someone's uh, backyard that, you know, on one of the great lakes um, or the ocean, I mean, it's just really communicating this and raising, um, raising awareness, um, you know, to, to the communities that um, either live on the great lakes, work on the great lakes mm -hmm. or visit the so that's great. So, um, so what, uh, what can our listeners do to, to help nautical waters and help you? What, 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 what can we do? Um, you could go visit our website, which is www.nauticalwaters.com. And there you could also follow our social media platforms because they'll be linked, um, in our website. And then 
I also just ask that you spread the word about ghost nets because the more attention that's being brought to it, the better. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And of course we can go to your Etsy store. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. You're going to be that. working like, <laughs> that's working like crazy on. Exactly. <laughs> you're going to have to recruit a lot. of. I'm sure Daisy, the dog can help in some capacity, right? <laughs> yeah. She'll keep us entertained. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. As you're pulling all those wires apart. Um, and do you, um, do you take donations also? I'm imagining that, you know, this is particularly when you start to look at setting up a recycling bin program. I mean, where are you thinking that you might be able to get some funding from governments? Or are you taking donations, corporate donations, personal donations? Um, how about that? Is that, is that also uh, yeah, on your horizon? So on our website, you can also find a link to our GoFundMe and there you'll be able to donate. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. And you got to work on your, your skills to get the, those government officials to start paying for stuff too. So (laughs) yeah. Oh, I'm sure you are. You, you are one determined woman, so I'm sure it won't take you, it won't take you long. So, um, so I'd like to ask you, um, one last question, uh, that I ask all of the, the, the women that, that I interview. Um, I'd love to know what advice you would give to either young women that are your age or someone that's older or like my, myself, um, what, what advice would you give, um, on how to take their idea, whatever it might be, and and put it into action. Um, and I mean, in particular, I mean, you're supporting this the sustainable development goals, but just really, you know, take an idea and put it into action. What what, what advice would you give? Um, I know this kind of sounds cliche, but I honestly, just like reach out. Um, at first, I thought that when I was I was really scared and nervous to reach out because I thought people were going to dismiss me, you know, as a teenager who's like going through a phase of some sort. Um, And it was only going to last like maybe two or three weeks, but it couldn't be far from that. I've had so much support from people I haven't even met before. And it's just crazy to me how many people are interested in what I have to say and what I'm doing and are helping me in so many ways. So I would definitely say to reach out as like my advice. Well, it's funny that you say that you're surprised that so many people were willing to help you. I, I, I would think that your voice being a young person, um, you know, y- you have a really big megaphone. I would say, you know, that gives you more, more strength, more power behind you. Um, uh, because you know, this is, this is the world that you're inheriting. So, you know, if you're going to, I know that famous saying, you know, be the change, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, really, you know, this is the world that you're going to be living in. So, um, so I think it's, it's fantastic that you've, um, even, you know, have a keen passion about this and, um, and I'm not surprised people have um, uh, communicated to you and and have been helping you. And I was really happy when my friend introduced me to you. She had read uh, read an article about you in um, one of the publications. I can't remember which one. Mm-hmm. And uh, said, you've got it. You've got it. Interview <laughs> Natalie. <laughs> so, yeah, I love it. So, um, so um, I really love to thank you for taking the time um, after your school day um, uh, to spend with me and, and our listeners and for sharing um, your journey journey with nautical waters and certainly with your orca project, which, um, which uh, quite keen to hear about how that progresses. Um, I think that you're really such an inspiration to all of us, um, particularly to young people. Um, like you said, just 
do it and, you know, you've got some passion around something and, you know, being curious um, and asking questions. I think that that that's always the the beginning stages of, of any kind of good idea is just to ask questions and find out more and actually um, and act. So really, thank you so much for making the time. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Well, with great pleasure. We're really lucky to have you. And I'm sure that we're going to hear a lot from our listeners um, about how they've been inspired by you. So um, thank you. Um, and I would certainly like to thank our listeners for tuning in to the Women 17 podcast, Conversations with Global Women Changing the World, One Sustainable Development Goal at a Time. We welcome your feedback from today's podcast and wish you a happy, safe, and productive day.